Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I am Katie, and with me as always is... Hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. And we have got the beginning of a pretty monumental, okay, a pretty okay series of podcasts. <laughs> I was going to say, let's not throw around the term <laughs> monumental here. I know, I just I just lean towards the bombastic. Uh, I got I to gotta watch that on, on this podcast. Um, but we are going to kick off our top 100, so more about that later. But um, it's nice to kind of have a plan for, you know, about 10 weeks at least. Yeah, that is nice. It makes it a little easier come Sunday. Like, hey, what are we going to talk about? Oh, wait, we already know. We do. That being said, if you ever have ideas for us on what to talk about in the podcast, let us know. I I still have some ideas in the pipeline. Don't you worry. But we're always open to more about what you want to hear about. Yeah, if it was up to me, we wouldn't have any topics. It would just be, hey, let's talk about this game today. (laughs) Which is fine, but how long are we going to talk about one game? I mean, I guess it depends on what it is. We could. I mean, I guess if there's a game that we wanted to break down and we could break into sections, like talk about the components, talk about the designer, talk about the theme, talk about scoring. That's what everybody does. And I mean, that might make us not be pretty okay anymore. That's what everybody does, really? Yeah, lots of podcasts do that. Hmm. Maybe I just don't... (laughs) Maybe I would be a better podcast host if I actually listened to game podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Part of the charm of of this show is, one, we just do whatever we want, and two, we only kind of know what we're talking about, so it it helps keep us separated. Yeah, like, yes, I I co-host a board game podcast. I don't know any publishers, nor do I watch any videos about board games, nor do I listen to any podcasts about board games. I am just really up on my research. (laughs) Yeah, you're fine. You're you're getting through. You're, You're pretty okay. I am pretty okay. I'm just here to try and be charming. Which I am also pretty okay at. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, I have no witty banter. So I'm going to move on and talk about some news. So my news is a little light because we have like an exciting show. Um, And so I've only got a couple things to talk about today. But one I did not want to neglect because I'm sure everyone, everyone and their mom... Literally, like your mom has backed us on Kickstarter. Maybe and, not my mom, but... Well, or my mom either. Right. <laughs> Jason's mom's <laughs> dead. Mine's in the nursing home without access to internet. You know, they're not right. backing a lot of games. I meant like yours, like as in the listener, not you. I got you. I got you. Um, and that is Dinosaur World and um, Dinosaur Island Roar and Write. So the two new games coming out from... Whatever company it is that does dinosaur, Pandasaurus. Oh, right, Pandasaurus. I do know them. I have heard of them. Yes, you have heard of them. Yes. I'm terrible at this. <laughs> <laughs> Again, just pretty okay, people. Um, so Pandasaurus, so Dinosaur World, kind of a new take on Dinosaur Island in some ways, and I love that on their Kickstarter they kind of did like an homage to what the films were doing with Jurassic Park and Jurassic World, and um, kind of bringing it into a new century, so to speak. So you're actually, you're all, you're still creating um, a dinosaur park, but you are um, adding like, I don't want to say modules, almost like hexes or different segments of the park onto your board to expand your park because you're going to have little Jeeps and they have little Jeeples. 
<laughs> that you use to drive through the path that you create in your park. So you're not just adding stuff, but you're also trying to make this really great track through your park, as well as like get employees to work at the different attractions that the Jeeps come to. And again, making, you know, new dinosaurs and, and all those kind of things. So it looks really cool. It seems like if you like Dinosaur Island, you would like this. It's just got like a different way of how you're expanding your board, which seems pretty cool. And then we've got this Roaring Right. Oh, I didn't really look at that. I just looked at Dinosaur World. Doesn't matter. It's a Roaring Right. We can just brush over that. No, no. I need to do my due diligence. So factoid, while you're looking that up, <sighs> this game was going to be called Roaring Right, but... There's already another game called Roar and Write, so they changed their name to Roar and Write. Well, because they didn't what, want to make anybody mad. Well, and I feel like that's what a dinosaur does, as evidenced by our oldest daughter, who was I don't know oh was watching Storybots and they were talking about dinosaurs, and so she proceeded to Roar repeatedly um, earlier today, which let me tell you was just delightful. Yeah, it's not just today; it's lots of days. Well, yes, but I mean. So I'm going to guess the roar and right is you're rolling DNA dice to try to build dinosaurs and probably threat that's going to come in and like knock your electricity out or something. That's my guess. So see, it says it's, but it doesn't seem like a roll and right because you're going to draft the dice themselves and they become workers in like a worker placement phase. And then you've got this like polyomino puzzle trying to fit your attractions and your dinosaurs into your park with roads and routes and it seems like it's a pretty in-depth way like it's set up like a roll and write and that you've got a board and you're like crossing things off but mm -hmm. you still have to like make dinosaurs hire specialists make the park exciting and sort of safe like weird there's a lot to it. You've got like building cards and specialist cards also and like a double-sided game board and then you're, you've got your DNA dice and then you've got your park, you get park sheets. You have a park sheet and an action sheet. There is like a lot to this, man. I didn't think that it was going to be that in-depth. I just didn't look at it because I assumed it was going to be rolling and crossing some stuff off. See, see, that's what you get, okay? No, that's what the gaming companies get for making rolling rights that are all exactly the same. Well, this one is not. This looks like this is a pretty stinking awesome rolling right. I'm wondering, though, if it's going to maybe be a little too overwhelming, almost like um, Roman roll Roman was. Roll. Yeah. Sounds where like it. You're like, hey, this should be a board game. And this actually is. Um, but I would love to give this a chance. I think that seems pretty cool. Um, that there's just, a, I, I like the idea of giving a rolling right some oomph. And this seriously does, especially because the board game itself is a lot of components, also a big setup. And there's still, you know, a decent amount to this, but it is a, a smaller table presence, maybe a little bit on the simpler side. It looks cool. So if you're interested, as I'm sure everyone is, Dinosaur World, so there's seven days left on this Kickstarter. So don't miss out. Seven days left. So you got a week to check this out. It's 70 bucks for Dinosaur World, which is kind of the new park making like full size tabletop game. And it's 30 bucks for Roarin' Right. We should get this. Um, or if you want both, it's $95 for the two. I think I could I could get behind the Roarin' Right. I don't know if I necessarily feel in Dinosaur World at $70, but 30 bucks, I could maybe give that a go. I know. I, I'm really interested in both. But if if you love Jurassic Park, if you like Dinosaur Island, this is definitely worth checking out. So that's Dinosaur World and Dinosaur Island Roar, 
rawr and right. Cool. Um, so the next one I want to talk about is a tile laying game called Cascadia. And this also has a, like I notice, I keep trying to look for games that include um, solo players. Because we do have a fair number of the Riveted who play solo. Either they enjoy it or they don't get together with their game groups often. Or I don't know, they smell and so they play by themselves. I don't know. I'm not judging. But You sure? You sure you're not? I'm positive. So this game is called Cas <laughs> Shut up. This game is called Cascadia. And it does support a one to four player count. Now, I I did not look into the solo. I don't know how much it is. How how well it works. But this is if you like tile laying games, this looks like a pretty pretty cool tile laying game. So you are um building like a habitat based on Cascadia. Um which is up in the Pacific Northwest there, the Cascade Mountains. So you've got, you know, your bears and your salmon. So you are laying tiles that are the actual like environmental habitat, um, prairie, forest, river, etc. And then you're placing animals on the habitats that they belong in. Bears and elk and fish and stuff. Um because you've got little tokens, wildlife tokens. Okay, grizzly bear, Roosevelt elk, Chinook salmon, red-tailed hawk, red fox. Okay, cute little animals. Love them. I mean, the bear will maul your face off, but it's still adorable. And then you've got your habitats, rivers, prairies, wetlands, forests, and mountains. So you're mashing those things up. And so you've got these little um, like scoring cards where you're trying to get your different habitats in certain areas or you're trying to get certain um, types of wildlife um in certain areas there's also like a, a family mode like general scoring card or you can get different like wildlife type scoring cards so there's lots of different ways i think to score these it looks like um there's a lot of different things changing up because you've got different combos of these different tiles plus your different tokens of animals it looks like just a fun little tiling game um if you like wildlife you know the art i think is pretty it looks very fun gateway but you're also like okay where am I going to put these and how am I going to arrange this because I want to try to get um these different arrangements of my of my animals and my habitats looks really fun so that is Cascadia there's 12 days left on that kickstarter and it's 29 bucks which I think is a really excellent price point for the way the cards look nice um the tiles the tokens all those things that you have um, oh, you can test out Cascadia solo mode right now on your phone or computer. Nice. So that seems pretty cool. There also is a family variant that's like a little bit more casual so you can help. Um, it has less complex scoring just so you can get kids involved or newer gamers. And I love that game designers are thinking about those kind of things. So that is Cascadia by Flat Out Games. 12 days left, $29. Check it out. It almost seems like the parks theme. I know this isn't like a specific national park, but it almost seems like that theme is getting super hot, like trekking the national parks, trekking the world, parks. Now you got this one. I think you talked about another one that was kind of like this not that mm -hmm. long ago. It's just a pretty happening theme right now, which isn't bad because it's cute and fun, but it's just interesting how many of these games 
with that theme of animals is coming out. Well, and I also think part of that we can thank the pandemic for. A lot of people are like, hey, um, I can't be around people, but we can be outdoors. And or also we're going crazy inside our house. Where can we go that's relatively safe? And I think that the parks are one of those places. So that's true. That's that's my philosophical viewpoint. (laughs) That's all I have for news this week. All right, let's move into some games played. Uh, We only have two this week. We both played some different games separately, like Katie did her Sherlock and thing, and I did, I don't know, I think I played like six or seven games while she was doing that because that game takes way too long. It does not take way too long. That's beside the point. Yes, it does. We're going to fight about that. (laughs) All right, so uh, the first game we did play together, though, we actually played it twice. The The first package of the new expansion of Harry Potter, and that's called Harry Potter... Charms and Potions. So this is um, the second expansion for Harry Potter. We've only played box one. We were going to play box two, but we were missing a board. So I had to get in touch with the op so they could send that to us so we could play it. So box one adds this extra player board that goes on top of your your, score tracker or your health tracker. That's going to give you a player ability based on where your health is. So if you're at 10, 9, or 8, you're going to get one ability. And the lower your health is, the better the ability is. There's like eight or nine different boards. They all do different things, but each of the three powers kind of focus on the same type of thing. So like if you could be healing, you could be like, I think there's a memory potion and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it comes with Jenny Weasley, which is cool. So um, I don't think outside of the charms potion, this changed the game a ton. Uh, it might have made it a little just a little more going on but it didn't add like a ton of new mechanisms other than that charms and potions deal so what did you think about this one um i love harry potter um hogwarts battle for sure and i'm always excited when they give me new content and again it's always such thematic content like the charms that were added at the different levels they really make sense and they are stronger when you're really suffering as far as hearts go so i think that is um kind of helps what can be a very brutal gameplay um that game slaps you around pretty hard and it gives you some new challenges i love seeing new cards with new characters um new things i can do in my turn to help change up my turn to make it more powerful to really um, make the cards really sing and play on each other so i had a really good time i can't wait till we get the board to try the potions portion of it Oh, yeah, that potions part seems like it's going to change the game a whole lot. Like, Charms just adds a little bit of that extra board. It still plays mostly the same. There's some a little bit different abilities. Like, you and your neighbors get to do something. So, it changes it a little bit. But, yeah, the potions part is going to be awesome. So, we'll have to talk about that once we play it. But, who knows when that'll be. All right, so, the second game we played is a Steffenfeld classic. And it is a game called Bruges. This is a card game only. From Stefan Feld, multi-use cards. You're trying to build buildings, get people to live in those buildings. You're trying to build some canals, trying to stave off some disasters that are going to come and try to crash your city. You're trying to get money. And um, what else can you do? You're trying to get workers to be able to take some other actions of taking actions on buildings that you built or um, being able to build buildings. So... Um, yeah, uh, I like this game a lot. It's a really cool card game with some interesting gameplay. The only thing I noticed in the last game is sometimes when it gets down to maybe the last turn 
of a round, your choices are limited because what you have in, in your hand, based on the way you draw cards, you can't do anything with. So that kind of stinks. You just end up taking money or something, and it feels like such a waste of a turn. But what do you think about Bruges? Um, I, I know we'd played it before, and I couldn't quite remember it. I just knew parts of it. What I like about this game is it's one of those games that you always want to do more on your turn, but you're limited. So you're always trying to find a way to maximize your turns, to take the most effective decisions. The things I don't like about it are the majorities where you get points for that. I don't I don't like that. Let me get my points the way I want to get my points. Don't try and force me to do it a certain way. Fell. Yeah, I agree. Step I do off. hate that. I agree. I hate that part too. Um, but other than that, I really, I really enjoy it. The diversity. The only thing is, I feel like money is so hard to come by. I wish there was like um, a what do you call that? Where on your turn you an income phase? Oh yeah, yeah. Where, where like you get at least a little bit of income every turn, and then if you need more for like really expensive cards, you can choose to get it on on through one of your turns that round. But you at least have something so that you have a way to kind of, I feel like, make more of your turns. But maybe that's just because I was always wanting more money. But I do. I did enjoy it. I do like it. Yeah, I don't know if this is my favorite Feld game or not, but I do like it. It's not like, I don't think it's as good as Merlin or like some of his other ones. But I do enjoy it. It's fun. It's different. It doesn't take forever long to play either, which is kind of nice. So Yeah, it does have a a certain, like, I don't want to say shelf life, but... There's a set time and it feels like you're you're always trying to do better in the in that time frame. So yeah, I did enjoy it a lot. All right, well, that was the games we played. Okay, and just like I teased already, this episode is the start of 10 episodes from now until the end of the year where we cover our top 100 games of all time. So this includes games not just that we played in the past year, though those usually tend to fare better on my list because I remember them better. Um, But our top 100 games, we each have a 100. There are some similarities because we do play a lot of the same games and like some games, but there are quite a few differences that I think will be interesting to look at. Um, we're going to take a break for a Halloween episode and have a Christmas episode in there, but, um, we are going to count down our top 100 games. So maybe you'll find something new that you haven't heard about before. We'll turn you on to some of our top 100s. And I also hope to hear about your top 100s as well. So, um, we used the ranking engine at, um, PubMeeple. So if you wanted to do your own, go for it. There's a little bit of a, um, like upfront kind of inventory thing that has to be done to enter in all the games. That's what always takes me the longest. And then going through and ranking them. So the more games you put in there, the longer it takes. Um, I ended up starting with 255 games and I tried to weed some out that I'm like, you know, these are probably not going to be close to my top 100. Um, So I ranked like 240 or something or 230. So I still ranked a lot of games. And What surprises me is the more games I play, the more I find that even outside of my top 100, my top 200 games are all really good games. Um, So even if you don't see some games in this top 100, we still like them. We still talk about other games. Um, These are just the top 100. So, babe, do you want to start us off with your number 100? I will. And I will say uh, I ranked a little under 500 games. So mine took me about four hours and that kind of stunk. But. We did this for you. I did this for you because we 
Love the riveted. Nobody asked you to rank 500 games, honey. I'm just saying, okay, I want to be the martyr. Let me be the martyr, please. You're right. Oh, let me get out my little violin to play you a very sad, sad song. <laughs> All right. So moving on from that uh, little pity party. <laughs> my number 100 is a game that this year we've been talking about a lot. I mean, a lot. Yeah. And it is a classic game from like the 70s, I believe. But my copy, our copy might be from the 80s. And it's called The Gambler, or just Gambler, I think, actually. And this is um, an old-school roll-and-move game where you're betting on some dice in this little dice maraca, betting on some horses, and you're trying to be the first person to get to 1000 bucks. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. It, it's super crazy. It shouldn't be as good of a game as it is. But, man, every time I play this game, I just love it more and more. It's so fun to bet on those stupid dice, <laughs> betting on betting on the horses, even though it's just you're rolling a die and seeing what happens. It's still super fun, and I love it. And my number 100, Gambler. Yeah, it's from 1975, I do believe. Right, yeah, uh, that sounds right. Ours looks like an original, though. There's one that's called Miss Kitty's Saloon or something, which looked oh, awesome. Yeah, but we don't have that version. Uh, you may see, we may talk about this one again, but it's a great push-or-luck game. It is so dumb, but gosh, everyone we've played with loves it, and they're still selling on the geek market, man, so if you're interested, feel free to go look for that. It's a fun family game, especially with a lot of non-gamers kind of gathering. It'd be it's pretty good. Yep. Just don't play it at more than four, because that makes it less fun. Yeah, don't do that. All right. my <laughs> So my top 100, I, had tru- I have trouble ranking them, because I like different games for different reasons, and I often value a game experience over the actual mechanics of a game. So um, if my top 100 seem a little crazy, it's because I am crazy. <laughs> so my number 100 is a game that's perfect for this time of year. And it's an evil hat game, which I have none of their games, nor will I probably ever have any of their games. And it is called Don't Turn Your Back. Um, this is a deck builder game, unlike any other, really, that I've played. That's probably true, yeah. Because you're building a deck, but then you're also using the hands in your deck as like almost like worker placement. But, well, you're putting them in scoring positions, and it, the theme is creepy, crazy from this um, uh, comic book series. Or no, from its role-playing game, Don't Rest Your Head. So the idea that in this world, bad things happen when you fall asleep. So everyone's trying to stay awake. Um, it's super creepy. There's like wax museum and like all kinds of crazy stuff. But just the unique card play. um, how you're trying to decide, do I want to bank this card and put it in the wax museum or do I want to use it other places to get points? Do I want to go for like the round goal to get points that way? Or, you know, do I want to try to do like a set collection thing? Do I want to get better cards? So many really tough choices. And that's what makes this game so good. I wish it was themed differently because it is so creepy, hideous. Um, and would turn a lot of people off, I think, because of the horror theme. But, oh, man, the gameplay is great. So my number 100 is Don't Turn Your Back. This is a good one. I'm honestly not sure if this is going to show up on mine, but um, it is good. The thing I like about this game the most is I like that I have my own cards that I'm buying from. So I have my own market. You can't buy those cards. 
I've only seen it in this game, and I think Super Motherload does that too, where we have our own cards that we're buying. Yeah. That's really cool. I love that. So yeah, this is a really good game. All right. My number 99 is a game from Keymaster, and it's a two-player-only game that we've talked about an awful lot on this channel, and it is called Caper. So this is a two-player drafting game where you're trying to send out these like super thieves, thieves, super thieves, <laughs> to different locations to try to steal paintings or artifacts. And you're also equipping them with some crazy gadgets. Like they may have a, like a silly disguise or like um, a jetpack or something. And you're trying to just have more... It's kind of like a tug-of-war at each location. You're trying to have more caper points on your side of the the location than your opponent. Whoever has the most caper points on their side wins the location, gets some extra points, so on and so forth. Uh, this It's super fun. It has amazing art. Uh, it's a really nice game to look at. The uh, rule book kind of looks like an old, um, like, like JCPenney catalog from, like, the 40s or 50s or something. That you, it shows you what all the gadgets do, and it's laid out in like a cool little book form. So, yeah, I really love this game, and that is my number ninety nine, Caper. Yeah, this game is so pretty and so fun. It's just outside my top one hundred because it's a two player only, and the for me the more the merrier. So that's why I didn't make my top one hundred. But it is a really good game, and also I always lose at it, so I'm a little bit sour grapes. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Yeah, but you I do love get you. sour grape about that. Oh, shut up! But I love Keymaster. They're so they they do some really great stuff, which we will see them, I'm sure, many other times in this top 100. Oh yeah, I'm sure, I'm positive of that. So my number 99 is a cooperative game, which I mentioned the more the merrier. So I actually don't have that many co-ops, but I probably have more than you in my top 100. Um, and my number 99 is Rising Five. The what is the subtitle? The Don't. Runes of Asteros. The runes of Asteros. So um, this has got Vincent Dutrait art. It's a game. Apparently, I've heard tell, everyone says, it's basically the exact same as the old school Mastermind game, only they have brought it into a new era. So it's it's vaguely space-ish themed. Um, you've got this cast of characters. And the cool thing is, you don't only move around just one character. You have access to all the different characters. They each have different powers to use. You've got cards in your hand that allow you to take actions with the characters. Um, and you are trying to determine um, a set of four, or is it five? It's four. Four um, of these runes in a particular order and orientation um, by defeating enemies to open portals to, to kind of check and see if your guesses are right or not. Um, it's just like, I feel like a fun deduction meets cooperative game. I find that it's really limits quarterbacking, which can happen in cooperative games. Um, because it, it re since everyone can move every player, I feel like it's really, it's really open to, you know, do whatever you want to do. Like you have a lot of choices. There's a lot of flexibility there. There's a lot of discussion on what runes could it be or not be. And I think that allows for a really truly cooperative environment. So my number 99 is Rising 5. Yeah, this is a really good game. Um, I'm not sure if it's on my list, but I do really like it. Um, number 98 for me is a little tiny card game. Fits in like a, almost a regular deck of card size box. And it is from Eagle Griffin, I think. Designer Stefan Dora. I know that for a fact. And it's called For Sale. So... 
we've talked about this on the channel multiple times. I'm not going to beat that dead horse, but it's an auction game trying to get um, different properties for cheap and then auction them off in the second half of the game for the most money. It's super easy to play. It's easy to teach. You can bang it out in, I don't know, 30 minutes. And it plays up to a decent amount of players. I'm not sure if it goes to eight or so. At least goes to six. So if you, if you got a decent-sized group, you can bust this out. Fit it in your pocket. Take it anywhere. Super fun. So line number 98 for sale. Yeah, this is outside my top 100 also. But it is super fun. And it's easy for, like, non-gamers to play. So this is, like, a nice when you're doing other things, palate cleanser, eating snacks for sale is a good game to play. My number 98 is not a small card game. It's actually primarily about area control and you're doing a little programming and that is Revolution by our good friend PDB, Philip Duberry. Um, Revolution is where you've got a little board and you're going to program what you're going to do with the money you have. Who do you bribe? Um, some people won't be bribed. So you have to... Um, try to figure out what kind of actions can you use to gain influence in these different areas that are on the main board. You do this in secret and that's the twist because you're trying to think, okay, so-and-so going to go here. Ooh, okay. Can I like outbid them somehow? Or should I just leave that alone and try something different? Do I want to keep somebody from doing something else? It's like kind of a outthink your opponent's kind of game while also trying to get your majorities out there as well. It's fun. It's funny. It can get like a little vindictive. It can yeah. be. Um, it's pretty mean. It, it can be pretty mean, but it still comes off as like a really fun kind of way to play. And you always talk about it and laugh about it afterwards. Um, so that's why it's my number 98 revolution. Oh, yeah. I like this game quite a bit. Um, it's probably the meanest game that I, I enjoy, honestly. No, it's not. <laughs> you don't think it is? Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Godfather is meaner. Dogs of War is probably meaner, too. Yes, both those games. <laughs> that's true. But, yeah, this game is really mean. But, yeah, I love it. It's really good. Um, so my number 97 is a game from, I think, Ravensburger. I'm trying to see the case. Or Cosmos. It's from Cosmos. And it is a game about pulling stuff out of a bag. And it is called Mercado. So what you're doing in this is you are pulling these coins out of a bag and you're trying to bid on certain types of perfumes or like jewelry or, I don't know, jewelry boxes, whatever, to basically score the most points. Each of these things are going to have a different point value and you're trying to be the first person to get your point marker back to start. You want to go all the way around the board, be the first person to do that. Um, it's a pretty cool concept because you're using the coins to bid on your side of the item and Say I had two coins out there, you could come in on your turn, draw the exact amount of coins that you need, and you can steal that thing from me, but I'm still going to get like a consolation prize. So you might get the good item and get more points, but I'll at least get something out of it so it's not a complete wash. So I love pulling stuff out of a bag. I like auctiony games, and this game has both of those things. I like it. My number 97, Mercado. I really like this game too. I don't think it's in my top 100. Um I think it's just outside it. But it's so fun. Like, it's it's a nice laid-back little game. But you're still, like, having to make, like, really, you know, clear decisions. Where do you want to keep going with? You know, there's luck with that. You're getting some negative markers, possibly. How do you get rid of those? Um, it's, it is really fun. It's cool. Uh, my number 97 is a little game with a big name. And that is The Legend of the Cherry Tree That Blossoms Every 10 Years. 
Um, this is a game by Yellow. It is Japanese themed, which you know I love. The artwork is gorgeous. Um, and it's a push your luck game where you have a screen and you are drawing flower blossoms, cherry tree blossoms of different colors, blindly out of a bag. You choose how many you draw at a time, you declare the number, you draw them out. Then you decide, you can choose. Some can stay in front of the, your screen, some can go behind. They score differently. The lovely screen tells you exactly how to score them. And you can possibly go bust if you get, I think, one blossom of every color. Or two black. Or two black. So you're like trying to play against that. Then there's like some special powers that allow you to kind of keep blossoms to get some points for the end. Um, it's push your luck. It's it's like a cool way of set collection. It's pretty, pretty, pretty. Lots of different paths to victory. All things I love. And that is Legend of the Cherry Tree. Yeah, this is a really good game. I did. I do think that it's a little hard to teach for what it is. Hmm. But I do really like it. I don't know. It seems like people have been struggling to learn this game when we've taught it. And I, I don't really understand. I know. That's why I don't get it. Because it's so fun. And I, this is going to sound condescending. But I don't. it makes me think that people are stupid when they can't figure it out. And I, <laughs> should, I, I feel bad. Like, I shouldn't feel that way. But I'm like, seriously, it's not that hard. You draw some out. You are trying to get, you know, one of these conditions. At, or you're going to bust. Then you... Put the flowers where the condition says, and then it's someone else's turn. Right. Like, yeah. They, they either go in front or they go behind, and then you're done. Like it's it's not. I I don't I don't get it. Maybe I'm teaching it badly. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But we haven't played it for a while because of that, and that stinks. And I think that's another reason why this is number ninety-seven on my list is because I really want to play this again because I like it. Yeah, I agree. We'll have to just get. Well, we can just play it together because we know how to play it. Yep, you and me. All right. Uh, my number 96. I'm going to be going into some Ameritrash. Whoa. That's right. Ameritrash. We got dice rolling. We got dystopian combat. future. We got combat. This game is called Wasteland Express Delivery Service. So a little hyperbole. It's not really Ameritrash. It's basically like a Euro game that has some die rolling. <laughs> but for me, if I have to roll and resolve... That automatically makes the game Ameritrash. So I'm going to call this Ameritrash. So this is a pickup and deliver game. You're trying to move your little truck around, or your truck or car or whatever, around this board to get water, ammo, um, food, I think, to deliver to other parts of the board. You're trying to meet these three in-game goals for whoever can complete three goals is the winner. So it's kind of a race to do this pickup and deliver and be more efficient than everybody else. So, yes, there's some roll and resolve for combat, but it's a Euro game that's packaged like an Ameritrash game. So we played this for the first time this year. I really like it. Probably why it's on my top 100 because it's shiny and new to me. So that is my number 96, Wasteland Express Delivery Service. Yeah, I mean, this game was fine. I, I don't really like it because it's a first person to get to a certain level kind of thing. I don't like games like that. You know me. I like my multiple paths to victory, get your own victory points however you can um but it still it still was a fun game it wouldn't it's just not this high at all and it and it has minis so i have an, a minis game in my top 100 people oh, so get look off out me. everybody gosh saint jason you're like full of martyrdom tonight <laughs> man oh and i snorted too <laughs> way cute. to go don't edit yeah. it out it's cute <laughs> my number 96 has no minis and um 
is so Euro in theme. And it is museum. Um, there's some Vincent Dutrait art all over this that is just amazing and detailed. Asmodee put this out, I don't know, two years ago maybe? Last year? Yeah, it might be three years, but it was officially released like the year after. Yeah, yeah. which is so strange. Um, so Museum is basically a set collection game where you are building your collection of artifacts um, from different eras, uh, like different civilizations, arranging them in ways that give you the most points there um, are events happening like in the world so allow you to only collect certain things um i haven't played this in a while and i don't like it it's not as high now as it once was on my list because the more i've played it the more i'm like eh, it's okay um, but there's still a lot of stuff going on with it. I love the flavor text on the cards. I really sometimes just like a basic set collection game where I get to arrange my stuff in the ways that I want to arrange my stuff. And it's kind of flexible and free. And, you know, it's nice because you can take a car, you can take cards on the people's turns. And if you do, they get like a little victory point. It's kind of a nice little give and take, very friendly game. Um, with, I think, a really cool theme, and I wish there were more themes like this. So my number 96 is Museum. Yeah, this is uh, it's a beautiful game. It has great production. It's super light set collection, and I think I would probably rank it higher if the in-game scoring wasn't so tedious. Mm. Like, you spend almost as much time doing the scoring at the end as you do playing the game, and that, that always bothers me a little bit. So, I don't know. I don't know if it's in my top 100. It might just be out, but it's good just... It's lost some luster, for sure. Yeah. All right, so my number 95 is the third installment of the Century Trilogy, and that is Century A New World from Plan B. So this is the worker placement um, version of Century. It functions kind of the same way. You're going to put a dude out on the board, and you're going to either get goods, fulfill a contract, so on and so forth. But instead of playing cards like in century you're doing a worker placement style um i thought this was my favorite one in the series so a spoiler it's not not. (laughs) but (laughs) i do really like this game and i think if i played it more it might be higher i've only played it one time but i did really like it so i think the more i play this game it might overtake the one that will come up in a little bit so that is my number 95 century a new world yeah, I think um, we actually don't own this, and so we need to get it because I, I did really like it. And since we don't own it, and I've only played it that one time, I didn't even bother ranking it because I don't feel like I have a true handle on it. But it's a good game. Good, good, good. And I also want to mix it with the first one. So. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. I want to try that for sure. So you need to crack open the wallet there, buddy, with the crowbar and buy it. I mean, let's not get carried away here. I want to like it and own it, but I'm not actually going to pay for it. So we'll just never own it. Actually, I think Brandon and Josie may have it, honestly. I I think they do too, but we don't own it. Like, it's not here. Well, we'll just have Brandon bring it over, and he can put it at rest on our shelf. (laughs) And then we can just play it when we want to. I don't... I thought they had the middle one. I didn't think they had this one. I think they have both of them. Okay. So my number 95 is an oldie, and it has definitely fallen for me. Um, And I think that's because of the complicated setup to it, and that is La Havre. So it's an Uwe Rosenberg game with the ever-exciting artwork of Clemens Franz. I mean, okay. (laughs) Were you being serious or no? No. Okay. No. (laughs) 
God bless Clemens Franz. I'm sure we have a ton of games with his artwork. Because oh, we do. We love hideous artwork <laughs> games for some reason. Uh, not that I want to disparage Clemens Franz. Not that he listens to this podcast or ever will, to be honest. So I don't even know oh, why. Yeah. I bet he does. He's probably listening to last week's episode right now. He's probably not. Um, it's it's just not my style of artwork, but it always accompanies a lot of the Euro trading games that we like to have. So The Italians love Clemens Franz. They do, and we love the Italians, <laughs> so by default we love Clemens Franz. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so La Havre is a game about manufacturing, essentially. You are trying to make different goods you are shipping them off then because you want to make your money but in true uve fashion you have to feed your people so not only are you making money making goods um taking some like basic goods and then you can um upgrade your manufacturing and making making them like um better product goods like instead of just making hides you're now making leather so ooh, look at you um and then you're shipping them because you can get more money for those fancy goods. But you also have to make sure you're creating food to feed your people. So it's worker placement um, to produce these things, get these things done. Um, it's a fun game. It just has fallen for me because there is a lot of setup. You got to put all this crap out there. There's all these tokens. I'm sure someone has some kind of um, insert or something created for this that makes it easier. But I do not have it. I mean, come on. Do you think Jason's going to invest in that? Um but nope. yeah, it's still a good game. So that's why it's still on my top 100. Number 95, La Havre. Yeah, this is a good game. I'd probably play it more, but that setup is awful. I hate setting this game up. It's terrible. Those chits just fall everywhere. It's annoying. Yeah, not a fan. All right. Uh, my number 94 is a complicated Euro that actually the rule book is garbage. You have to get some stuff off BGG to be able to play it. And that game is called Craftsman. Um, it's from Christoph Matusik. I'm not sure of the company. G4 or something like that. And what this is, is this is a tableau engine building game. So what you're trying to do over the course of the game is you're trying to acquire different types of cards, which are basically like factories that produce goods. And you're going to have to get these cards and then go to a worker placement spot to be able to generate goods from one card to go to another card to be able to turn that good into something else to ultimately be able to sell it on a boat as a final product. So I may have a cow that I'll turn into leather that I'll mix with some iron and I'll make some weapons. So it's all this like moving goods around to, can, to transform them into other things to try to sell the most to earn the most points. It's a really good game. Uh, it takes up a ton of table room because the tableau gets out of control. And because the rule book stinks, it makes it really hard to play. But I like it, and now that I know how to play it, I'm good to go. So my number 94, Craftsman. I have never played this. I don't know who you played it with, but it wasn't me. It was Brandon. Oh, well, I, you haven't played it with me. I don't know if I would like it, but i play it. It's like pure engine building. It's kind of a little convoluted, but uh, mm. I think you might like it. And it's on the whiteboard in here because I know you haven't played it on our... <laughs> Shelf of shame whiteboard. Yeah, we we couldn't devote a shelf because Jason's got some kind of crazy system of organizing our games, of which I have no idea. I Me never neither. remember. I, I just I just put them in the shelf. Yeah. Okay. So, but somehow he couldn't end up allocating some area for the shelf of shame games, so he put them on our whiteboard instead. Right. Yep. So, speaking of games that Brandon has. Look at him getting mentioned so many times in the podcast. He's ecstatic, I'm sure. I know. Um, he's probably unable to sleep. 
because he's so excited. We don't have this game, and I thought we did. I don't understand why it's not here at our house. I swore we owned this, or do we have to send it after a review? No, I think uh, I let Brandon take it, honestly. It's good. It's my number 94. And that game is Microbrew by One Free Element, or One Free Elephant, not Element. Um, so there was a lot of games that kind of came out with the word brew in them because um, that's a popular thing to brew craft beers. So there's like brew crafters, home brewer, microbrew, microbrewers. Um, but this microbrew, what I thought was cool about it, it came in a little tin. So kind of like those tin games that came out. I don't know what any of them are called because we don't have any of them, but I've heard people talk about them. You know, those mint games or something? Mint, mint delivery, mint pickup. Yeah. yeah, stuff like that. We don't have any of those or nor have I played them. But this also comes in like a little tin, just little tiny um, like discs and stuff where you are brewing beer and you want to keep it um, from having impurities and you're trying to meet these different customers' needs. We played it a couple times when we did the review, and it has stuck with me. We have not played it this year because, again, I don't know why we gave it away to Brandon, um, <laughs> but I want my own copy because it's a really fun little game. I was really dif- disappointed by Homebrewers. Yes, Homebrewers, yeah. Have I played? Have we played Brew Crafters? No, that's like a big... I think we would like that one. That's kind of like a Grickly, Grick, okay. a grickola e. I think that we would too, but I re—I was really disappointed by homebrewers um, because I really enjoyed microbrew and the idea of, you know, brewing fun beers with different um, ingredients and stuff. It just did a better job of it in a smaller package. Um, so if you haven't checked this out in the whole frenzy that was the microbrewing beer game theme phase i think you should my number 94 microbrew yeah this is a really good game uh i don't remember it a ton i do remember that you're like moving the different ingredients around to get them in a certain order to match the beer that you're making and it was super small that's all i really remember and i did like it but yeah i'd like to play this again for sure all right my number 93 is a game from renegade it is a dice manipulation game kind of and it is called sentient um, so what you're doing on this is you are, you have five dice, I think, or six dice. I don't know. You have a certain amount of dice. And what you're trying to do is you're drafting cards that are going to affect the values of the dice on both of the corners. So I'm going to put a die, uh, the card in between two dice. So say I'll put a card in between the first and the second die, and it will change the second die, the value up one, and it may leave the first die the same value as it is. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to have the dice meet certain goals that are on each of the cards to score points. So the cards are going to manipulate the dice, but then I need to make sure that the dice after all the manipulation is done matches those cards for in-game going, in-game scoring, goaling. What is it going? And um, you're trying to do some little bidding to get the cards. It's, it's a lot of game really for as simple looking as it is. It's thinky. It kind of burns your brain a little bit. But I like it. So my number 93, Sentient. I do really like this game. It's like Brain Burny. It's got numbers. It's got like robot futuristic art. But it, I was so, I I was not happy when our new hotness buddy brought it out. I'm like, oh, great. What is he going to make me play? And I was pleasantly surprised. It's really good. I really like it so much so that we own it now. 
end. I think we should play it again. I've been trying <laughs> I think to we bring actually, it out. I think we actually own his copy too. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I bought it from. It's a good game. My number ninety three is actually a two player game, and this I think is my highest two player only game on my list. I I honestly have no idea if that's true or not, but it feels right. And my number 93 is Seven Wonders Duel. This is like a beautiful marriage of Antoine Bauza and Bruno Catala. I hate the regular game Seven Wonders. It is awful. It is stupid. It is pointless. It is boring. There's so many, many, many better drafting games than this, than Seven Wonders. But Seven Wonders Duel does drafting right. It does set collection. So you've got these three different phases that you play. You've got the pyramid of cards. You are drafting cards. You're paying for them with resources. You are getting, like, then developing an engine based on the cards that you're pulling. They also can have these symbols that allow you to get other cards for free. Um, Then you're going to use the resources that you make to build wonders, which give you points, give you extra actions. You've got a military track that you're kind of keeping an eye on. Don't want somebody to get too frisky. Uh, It's so good. I've Jason and I played this a ton. I really, really, really like this game. And I saw that they're coming out with another expansion for it. And I'm so pumped. Totally going to get it. My number 93, Seven Wonders Duel. Yeah, this is a good game. Um, We do play it a lot. We did play it a lot. We haven't played it for a while. But I've even played it with some other people. And we've usually played it. Played it. What is going on with me? Played it. (laughs) Back to back to back, you know, two or three yeah. games in a row. It's it's really good. I agree with this pick 100%. All right. My number 92 is a game about the tea trade, and it is called Yunnan. And it is from, let me see if I can think what this company is. I can't. I'm not sure. But it's a, a, a Euro game about um, doing the tea trade in Yunnan. Uh, it takes place over two parts. The first part is an, an auction where you're trying to bid for roads horses to make the trading easier, um, different types of money or different types of money, more money. So you can buy the other goods that you need. And then the second part is you're going to use the stuff that you bought to build and move your worker to try to get them to certain points on the, the tea trade route to build, um, tea houses, build bridges to make it easier to go from one province to another and get gifts from the locals for being the first person to get to that area. It's a pretty cool game. Uh, we don't play it a lot because you need to have three players minimum, which is kind of annoying. But it's it's interesting. It's kind of different, and I really like it. So that's my number 92, Yunnan. I've never played this game. Um, the publisher is Argentum Verlag, by the way. Yeah, Argentum. I was going to say, like, Argentinian <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've never played this game. I like the theme a lot, and I've seen it sitting on our shelf. Is this on on the board? I'm looking at the board right now. I believe so, yes. Yes, there it is, right there. Um, and so I would, you know how I love Asian-themed games, and I, so I've always wanted to play it. We just need to, to pull it out. What surprises me is how many games you have in your top 100 that I have never played. What are you doing? Why are you withholding these games from me? I don't know. Um, no reason, I guess. Just... <laughs> Just how it's happening, how it's rolling. I guess so. My number 92 is very similar to one that's already been mentioned tonight. And this is Century Spice Road. This is the first one in the Emerson Matsuchi Plan B Game series. Um, Century Spice Road, you are doing contract fulfillment by playing, um, by kind of deck building, actually. 
getting a set of cards in your hand that allow you to collect the different types of spices, convert them to other spices in order to fulfill the contracts and get your points. Um, this game, like the gameplay is fun. The um, components are really great. Just like basic game components, they are nice. The little bowls, the thick cubes. Um, we also have the player mat, I think, which is extra. Um, but is also really nice. Uh, the coins that come with it are really nice. I'm always for myself playing with them. We have introduced this to tons of people. It's so accessible to intro gamers, to non-gamers. Um, the artwork is nice. It's just a really well done, um, just well thought out game. And so that's my number 92, Century Spice Road. Yeah, this game is really good. Uh, we'll talk more about this one later. <laughs> okay. Uh, my number 91 is a game about an expedition, and it is called Lewis and Clark. It has a subtitle now. I don't know what that subtitle is because our version doesn't have it. It does. Um, so it's a game about... You're trying. It's, it's a race, a slow race. You're trying to make it from the starting line on the river and you're trying to make it all the way across the country to be the first person to end up at the end point over by California or Washington. And you're doing that through some interesting card play. Um, you're using your cards to get resources. You're using your cards to um, get native Americans on your side so they can go out and help you make some of your actions more powerful. Uh, I haven't played this for a while, so I might be a little rusty on what's going on, but it's a uh, Vincent Dutrait art. So it looks nice. Um, it might go on a little long, which is another issue. And I'd probably, I've only played this at three and I actually kind of want to play it at two. That might cure some of the, the length issues. So my number 91, which I didn't really talk about at all is Lewis and Clark. So the subtitle is Lewis and Clark, the expedition. Oh, that makes sense since it's about an expedition. Yeah. And you're going from Missouri to Oregon. So you're following up like the Missouri river up that way. Yeah. You're traveling down a river to go from one, the starting space to the end space. Again, another <laughs> game. Stop it. Another game, in the top 100 that you have withheld for me. I can't decide if I would like it. Cause I don't like the idea of racing towards the end. Um, I mean, it's barely a race. It's slow race, but I, I really like the theme. This is a really interesting theme to me. Um, so yeah, it'd be nice if you'd let me play it with you sometime and we could play it at two players. We will have to do that because this is good and I want to try it again. Okay. And so my last one of the night, since we're only covering 91 to 100, because we'd be here forever if we did all of our top 101, one episode, my number 91 goes all the way back to 2007. Yes. They were making games then Gen Zers. No, no they weren't. They were. There are games that still exist from then. And the game that I want to talk about is Zularetto. Uh, this game has been around for so long, but I don't think we actually played it until this year. Or maybe end it of last been, year. Yeah, it might have been the end of last year. Yeah, Chris brought it over. But this is a game where you are loading carts with um, different tiles that you're pulling out of a bag. Those tiles consist of different animal species. Um the animals also have different genders sometimes. And there's also little carts that you can add and money tiles. And so you're putting them on these, I guess carts is not the word because you're putting them on a cart. Um, these little like vending areas. What do they call them? Yeah, they're called kiosks. Kiosk, kiosk, that's the word. These little kiosks. And so on your turn, you're filling up these um, carts. And so then 
it's almost like a pusher luck like ooh, do i want to take this card because it's got something i want uh do i want to wait and see what else comes out am i going to get stuck with a card i don't want and so then you're taking the animals and you're putting them in your zoo everybody has a player board with the zoo on it you can only put the same types of animals in a pin. Um, there's also a barn where you can store excess animals, but they can be negative points at the end. If you have a male and female of a species, you can have a little baby, which is so cute and fun. Um, it's it's lighthearted in a way because everyone's always, I think, thought about making their own zoo. And the animals, the art isn't super crazy, especially the art on the box is hideous. Well, um, it's a cute panda bear. But the colors that were chosen. And yeah, that's true. It's it's gross. I mean, it is from 2007. It reminds me of like those like zoo books or something, magazines that they made oh, for kids yeah. when we were kids. It does look like the that. The art looks just like that. Okay. <laughs> um, but the game, like there, there still is a lot of choices. Like, ooh, am I going to get a whole lot of kangaroos? So I'm going to put them in this big, you know, enclosure. Or is someone else getting kangaroos? So I want to put giraffes here or zebras or what am I going to do? I've got excess zebras now. Um, there are some really like thinky choices to it. It is a fun little game. And that is my number 91, Zooloretto. Yeah, this is a great game. It's super light. It's not hard to play, but there's enough going on that it keeps your attention and you have a good time. So yeah, I really like this one too. All right, so you want to review our number 100 to 91? Sure, let's do it. All right, so my 100 is Gambler. My 99 is Caper. My 98 is For Sale. My 97 is Mercado. My number 96 is Wasteland Express Delivery Service. 95, Century, A New World. 94, Craftsman. 93, Sentient. 92, Yunnan. And 91, Lewis and Clark. The Expedition. All right. My number 100, Don't Turn Your Back. 99, Rising 5. 98, Revolution. 97, Legend of the Cherry Tree. 96, Museum. 95, La Havre. 94, Microbrew. 93, Seven Wonders Duel. 92, Century Spice Road. And 91, Zoo Loretto. So this is the first 10 from our top 100. So we want to encourage you guys, go out, get your top 100. Um, feel free to use the ranking engine on Pub Meeple, or if you are like, I haven't played that many games, rank them yourself, um, and then tell us about it or work on ranking them now. Cause it takes a while. And then tell us about it next week when we cover our next 10 of our top 100. Find us on Facebook, hashtag the riveted. That group is awesome. You guys are awesome. It is about games. It is about positive, encouraging, just talking about games. We had pictures of meatballs today that looked delicious. Always good stuff there on our Facebook group. So ask to join if you aren't already a member. Find us on Instagram, on Twitter. We've been posting some cool news that's coming out about new expansions, new games, things going on. Um, and always, our YouTube video um, channel is popping with Jason putting out stuff all the time. Tout le temps. So follow us there. Like, subscribe, all those good things. Because we love to hear from you guys because you guys are amazing. Yep. And um, go give our friends at Board Game Rundown some some clicks on their youtube channel because they have a cool channel they just dropped a video about the games that got them into the hobby which is really cool i love lists like that so tim dan you're good guys and also members of the riveted yeah yeah we like to support our own um so i think that's all i have for tonight same yeah these uh top 100 episodes wear me down
<laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So taxing. It's so exhausting. Man, I'm just I'm playing up the martyr gosh, stuff today. I really Jason am. is a whiny butthead tonight, <laughs> you guys. And think about it. I have to put up this all the time. Like you guys can just shut it off. <laughs> this is constant, twenty four seven. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, guys. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. Or in Jason's case, why?